0: Another informational resource from UK healthcare. This is UK HealthCast, featuring conversations with our physicians and
1: other healthcare providers. Here's Melanie Cole. Sports-related concussion is a hot topic in the media and in medicine. It's a common injury that's likely underreported by pediatric and adolescent athletes. You may think that concussions only happen to football players, but that's not necessarily the case. Concussions can happen for all sorts of reasons, including a bike crash, a fall on the playground, and yes, while playing sports. My guest today is Peter Gray. He's a U.K. orthopedic and sports medicine athletic trainer and head athletic trainer at Henry Clay High School. Welcome to the show, Peter. So what is a concussion?
0: So when we're talking about sports-related concussions, we're talking about a trauma-induced change of mental status, um, either by a direct or indirect blow uh, to an athlete. It can result in confusion, impaired memory, reduced speed of processing, um, and doesn't always have to have loss of consciousness, but that—that—that that, that is a big red flag to us for a concussion. The onsets can be immediate. They can be gradual. For the most part, they can go away right away or they can be prolonged for months. And they can happen from an acceleration, deceleration, or rotational force that is basically uh, acted on the brain.
1: So who's at risk for concussion? What sports are particularly vulnerable to this situation?
0: Well, definitely football um, and those big contact sports like hockey, um, men's lacrosse, soccer. but all these sports that we play have an inherent risk of injury, um, and about 5% of most injuries are concussions. Um, and because it's a direct or an indirect force to the head, so even a, even a, a force that's to the chest that kind of is transmitted through the neck and into the head um, can cause a concussion to our brain.
1: So, Peter parents coaches even the athletes themselves put a lot of emphasis and a lot of you know they're they're really confident with the equipment does the equipment protect from concussions we're looking at helmets and things and pads do these things work or are they do they just help to maybe reduce the severity
0: right so i'll start by saying that there is no concussion proof helmet or pad um, there is a lot more Studies going on as far as helmets and football. Um, You know, originally helmets were only tested and they would do a drop test, um, which would show the resilience to a skull fracture or things like that. And now we're doing a lot more testing as far as the forces that are being transmitted through the helmet to somebody's brain. Um, But yeah, none of these helmets or pads really prevent concussions. um, And now, you know, more tests are being done and studies are being done that are, that are showing that they're, they're more effective for, I guess, the severity, but even a minor concussion is, is an important thing to, to look at. Um, so yeah, uh, the equipment still not on par and we do put a lot of faith in our equipment, but at the same time, it's not a hundred percent concussion proof. And we're seeing that in football because obviously we're still having concussions in football with, these advances in helmets.
1: So you mentioned some of the symptoms before memory impairment, you know, you you mentioned a few, but let's talk about the symptoms for a minute because sometimes an athlete is going to want to keep continuing to play. So is it kind of everybody's job to sort of look out for some of these symptoms, not only the coach and maybe the parents on the sideline, but other athletes on the field as well to kind of keep track, the buddy system to see that everybody is sort of keeping an eye on each other, making sure nobody's experiencing some of those symptoms, what should they be looking for?
0: Right. So it's very important to have the coaches, the other players, the referees, um, all on the same page as far as recognizing when another player is not behaving behaving right. Um, and, and kids, we have special considerations because they're all at different developmental stages as far as, you know, cognitive learning. Um, a lot of, A lot of high schoolers still feel that they're invulnerable, and those are the kids that typically see hiding concussion and continue to play through, um, symptoms. Now, symptoms, they, there's a lot to do with mental status as far as impaired recall, um, disorientation, um, and there's behavioral changes as far as feeling depressed and anxiety, sadness, um, and then the the things that kind of show up on the field are the physical changes as far as balance, vision, fatigue, ha- headache, ringing in the ears, things of that nature. Um, and they're, you know, usually have a head trauma associated with them. Um, but some indirect blows can cause these kids to, to have concussions. And the symptoms may present right away. They may present, you know, later on in the game. They may, may present after the game. So it's it's hard for an athletic trainer to always recognize every concussion, and that's why I would stress emphasizing, you know, players, coaches, referees, and other players, because we all kind of know these athletes. Um, just to to really keep an eye on it, they they other players should definitely not be be quiet about when they know their friends, even though they're a crucial part of the team, isn't playing right. Um, you know, they're forgetting plays, they're doing things like that. Those are big red flags.
1: So is it emergent? When do you, if a parent notices or if a player comes off on the sidelines, is this an emergency room visit or is it something that parents can take their child home and keep them rested? What's treatment like and do they have to go to the emergency room?
0: Well, after any big blow to the head, we do need to check the neurological function and rule out any, you know, cranial bleeds, any Any fractures to the skull after we rule out anything major like that. A concussion is not a trip to the ER. Um, it's more the initial step would be, you know, full and total physical and cognitive rest. Um, we do want them to be seen in clinic, uh, with a orthopedics that specializes in in concussions and UK sports medicine has two great ones, Dr. Hosey and Dr. Smoot. Um, and that's just kind of initiates the. The kind of return to play, you know, they're going to see uh, a concussion specialist, and in that way, we're going to kind of start tracking their symptoms. Um, we're going to monitor them throughout the whole process, making sure that something doesn't come up um, that could be very serious. And in that case, um, you know, we're if if somebody does have you know prolonged symptoms, being seen at the clinic right away, we can get them the additional um, therapies and things that they might need to to so that their symptoms don't go on for months and that we can get them, you know, return to play safely.
1: So when in doubt, sit it out seems to be the mantra that everybody uses. But when can a parent know that it's okay to go back to school? Are they allowed to be doing homework using electronics, watching TV? And should a parent be using Motrin or another form of pain relief if there are some symptoms like headaches?
0: Right. So for the most part, if tolerated, I would recommend, um, just Tylenol or, or no, no NSAID to, to mask the symptoms. Cause we do want to monitor the symptoms as much as possible. We like to give it a grade and, you know, usually we are asking their symptoms for very often. Um, as far as returning to school and returning to play. You know, that's 100% based on, on symptoms. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up about school because, um, usually we're thinking about return to play and not about return to school. And school is very important. Um, kids t- can tend to struggle going back to school, um, because they're having trouble concentrating, um, and things of that nature. And it's important to know that, um, I guess, talk with teachers and things like that, that there are accommodations that should be made. Um, You know, these kids are usually stressed out about school already. And when you're, you know, cognitively impaired, things are going a little slower. It's harder to learn. They might have a bunch of tests that week. Um, Some accommodations do need to be made for that. And then our kind of return to play from a physical standpoint, um, we do want them to return to symptom-free Um usually takes twenty four to forty eight hours on the typical. Um and then we're gonna initiate some light aerobic activity, again staying um symptom free, and then we're gonna move on to more sport specific exercises and then non-contact drills, um, and then full contact. Um and we need to stay symptom free with all that. If we do get some symptoms coming back, we kinda take a step back and um just continue that rest and then we'll, we'll pick it up where we left off.
1: How many is too many?
0: That's really the million-dollar question, and that's one of the questions as far as youth sports that we really don't have the answer to. Um, you, know, I've, you know, I've read a lot of things that say, you know, the more in a shorter period of time is very concerning, um, but concussions are so different to everyone. You know, some people might have a concussion that lasts months, Somebody might have a concussion that lasts a few days as far as symptoms go. Um, and now there's studies saying that people, some people are more prone to concussions than other people. Um, so really, I think that's, that's where the research is headed now, trying to really pinpoint down how many is too many. But right now, we just don't know.
1: So then wrap it up for us, Peter. With your best advice about concussion prevention, if possible, recognizing the importance of those symptoms and the ABCs really about assessing the situation, what you want listeners and parents and coaches to know about concussion.
0: Well, the number one way to prevent a concussion is either, well, not playing is the one, but that's usually not the case. It's really changes in the game and i i like to stress that you know referees play a big role as far as gameplay goes they can stop play before um you know things get out of hand um they can stop unnecessary hits especially in football um and we see that kind of starting with the professional leagues and they trickle down to to the high school level and as far as coaching goes really taking the head out of the game as far as practices um Teaching safe tackling where you can take your head out of the play instead of leading with your head, which is a very good thing to emphasize. Really, concussions shouldn't happen in practice because you should be able to teach the kids how to play the game without putting them at risk of getting hit in the head. Um, and then the number one, basically, way to manage a concussion is recognizing it right away, um, not allowing kids to play through a concussion. And really, when, because some of the more serious things happen when you kind of get a secondary blow to the head after sustaining our, an, an impact to the head, a concussion already. Um, just taking them out of the field is very important. And then making sure that they're following up with a doctor that's familiar with concussions. That's not going to clear them right away. We do want to have a gradual return to play. And we want to you know monitor these kids and making sure that they are safe to return.
1: Thank you so much, Peter, for being with us today. This is UK HealthCast with the University of Kentucky HealthCare. For more information, you can go to ukhealthcare.uky.edu. That's ukhealthcare.uky.edu. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.